I'm Chris Biddle and this is Inside AgriTurf. And welcome to this second panel discussion of 2023, which we generally label as AgriTurf Talks. Now, last week's episode featured an all-women panel discussing their experiences and the career opportunities for women in the male-dominated land-based engineering sector. And this week, I've invited a panel to discuss the mental health challenges impacting those who work in land-based engineering or more generally in the agricultural and turf care industries. Uh, I've got me, with me today Alex Fillimore, Head of Communications Development with the Farming Community Network. Alex, uh, welcome. And I know you have to deal with a wide range of problems affecting the farming community. Are you seeing growing instances of mental health uh, at the moment? So this week is is Mind Your Head Week, which is um, a week that's organised by a charity called Yellow Wellers or the Farm Safety Foundation. So this week in particular is very topical for this discussion around mental health in farming. Broadly, um, our charity, the Farming Community Network, would say that mental health is um, a, a issue in farming. Um, it has been for as you know as, as long as any of us know. Um, but we try where we can to focus on the positives. Um, because I'm not convinced reminding people constantly of all the challenges in farming is necessarily the way, the, the best way of getting people to talk about it. My next guest is Tom Johnson, who runs Johnson Turf Machinery, uh, commercial grounds care and sports turf machinery, in mo- as a mobile technician uh, in and around Fife and Central Scotland. Uh, Tom, we, we last spoke almost two years ago just after you'd launched your mobile repair business and looking at your Facebook page, you, you appear to be extremely busy. I mean, the important thing is, uh, are you enjoying it still? I'm enjoying it still. Yep. Um, it's probably the last year or so has introduced a lot of other challenges, but yeah, it's still overall very enjoyable and yeah, living, living the dream really. Oh, excellent. And, and speak to him a little bit later about uh, more about in detail about it. And next, uh, Steve Dudley-Brown, who actually works for the British International Golf Green Greenkeepers Association, bigger. But he's been a greenkeeper most of his life. When you were a greenkeeper, did you experience mental health issues when working as a greenkeeper? Yes, um, I came across a few colleagues that were struggling um, and I was very close myself to struggling but fortunately I saw the signs and I got help what I needed uh, in my own little way. So, well look we'll find out a little bit more about that and, and what you're doing for bigger in, in a moment. Um, now we were due to be joined by John Ryan from Northern Ireland who runs two highly active Facebook groups uh, Lawn Care Legends and the Dealer Network but unfortunately uh, the bereavement of a close friend has meant he's had to drop out at the last minute so send our best wishes to John. Let's hear a little bit more from from our guest Alex Tell me a little bit more about the uh, Farming Community Network, which is a charity of and helping farmers and, and farmers' families. That's um, right. Yeah. So our charity was founded in 1995 as the Farm Crisis Network. And there's perhaps a, a certain generation of farmer that may still know us by that name. Um, so the Farm Crisis Network was when we were founded. Um, but we changed our name in 2013 to the Farming Community Network. And one of the reasons why we did that was we wanted really to people to get in touch with our charity, ideally before they reach that point of crisis. You know, the earlier that people can 
uh, get support for a wide variety of issues they might be dealing with or facing on the farm, um, the, the sooner we can hopefully help people find a positive way forward. Um, so our charity has a, a very, very wide network of hundreds of volunteers across England and Wales. And um, we operate a helpline, which is a, a 20, um, it's a 365 days of the year helpline, open 7 a.m. to uh, 11 p.m. every day of the year. Um, but in addition to our helpline, a lot of our volunteers do very local casework. So it could be that a farmer is having a bad day, they're struggling with a particular issue, it could be mental health related, animal welfare related, you know, whatever it might be. They'll get in touch with us and it might be that we send uh, one of our volunteers out to the farm to sit with the farming family, talk through whatever the issues might be, and then try and help them find that positive way forward. Was the um, network, was it formed uh, for any particular reason or at any particular time? Yeah, so it was it was um, in the 90s um, when um, I guess um, we, we were kind of aware as an industry that there were a lot of farmers who were struggling for various different reasons. But um, a lot of the name recognition around FCM really came into effect in, in the early 2000s during foot and mouth. So there were a lot of farmers who I'm sure we can all appreciate were having a, an absolutely horrible time in sort of 2001. Lots of them facing the trauma, very real trauma of having to potentially slaughter livestock, um, businesses, you know, really, really suffering at that time. And the mental health impact of having to, to do that, I think, was was incredibly severe. And so these were farmers that were going through a really, really difficult time. And our volunteer network at the time were there really to help farmers during that, that period of what was very much a crisis at the time. Um, but then increasingly since then, we've been seen as being um, here to support farmers for all sorts of issues, including mental ill health. Uh, and what is the structure of the organisation? You, you have a head office and do you have some full time staff? We do. So I'm a member of staff with the charity. Um, we have other members of staff based around the country. Um, so we've got regional support staff. Um, we've got staff who, who have particular focuses, such as mine, is the, the marketing communications for the charity. Um, but largely we are a volunteer led organisation. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's our, our hundreds of volunteers across the country, um, England and Wales, um, that really are the lifeblood of our charity. They're the ones doing the casework. They're the ones answering the helpline. Um, so we really owe um, our, our volunteers a lot for being able to do what we do. Uh, and what about funding of the organisation? Um, do, do you have to do your own fundraising? We do. Um, we are a charity that is largely um, supported through donations. Um, we receive support from some organisations that are supportive of our work, but a lot of the funding that comes for FCN is from uh, quite often people that we've we've helped their family members or, or um, we've, we've helped friends or whoever it might be. Um, but increasingly now, due to what I would say is increased name recognition of the charity, there are people who are just raising funds for us because they like the work that we're doing. They recognise that we're providing a very, very important service for people who are absolutely key workers you know we all rely on farmers three times a day whether we're involved in agriculture or not and so i think a lot of people recognize that we're providing an important service and, and do you sometimes find maybe that people that you have helped in the past uh, come back and and help you absolutely i mean a lot of our volunteers um, some of our ambassadors are people that we have we've helped directly or, or indirectly, but you know, there, there are, there are families who we've supported their parents and now the, the children are volunteering with us. Um, it could be the other way. It could be the parents are, are helping us because we've, we've helped their children. Um, so it's, you know, we all know how, how community led farming is. It's a very, very small world. A lot of people know each other and people want to help each other. So I think there, there is very much an element of what you've, you've just said there. Okay, good. Well, look, Tom, as I said, we last spoke um, almost two years ago, 
And you, you told us your, your very vivid story about how you were a, a tractor mad kid um, wanting to get into the tractor business. Um, and you had uh, some experience. And I think in the early days, you had one or two uh, mental issues as, as, as well. Um, but working for, I think it was a farm machinery company, there was um, one or two episodes that didn't go go right. And you decided to haul yourself off to college and did did extremely well. And as a result of that, I think you you got the bug, didn't you, for turf care. Have, have you ever regretted that decision? Uh, no, definitely not. I mean, there's maybe some days yeah, I, I maybe missed agricultural machinery, but um, no, I mean, overall, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy what I do. I mean, probably back then, I probably snuffed my nose up at the, the thought of green, uh, green care machinery, but... Yeah, nowadays it's as as complicated as agriculture machinery. So no, I, I don't I don't no regrets here anyway. And when you look back on those days, um, what what sort of experiences that you had of, of, of helping you today were uh, and the help you get? And are you in, in fact are you still receiving any any help? And are, are any of your issues that you had um, previously have they um, have, have they come back or or are they still persist in the background? Um. Maybe just a bit of anxiety, but I think that just with with everybody, and especially running a business, it's a it's a it's a massive anxious anxious time, you know, especially last year and a bit with rising costs and you know all that sort of thing. But in terms of uh, any more help, no, I mean I definitely have gotten a lot better compared to I was back then. You know, looking back then, I have grown up a lot, you know, maybe made some wrong decisions back then, which has probably resulted in my my mental health being the way it was. But I have definitely grown up more and more adult I like about it. Yeah. Yeah. The University of Life then. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just just maturing my age, yeah. Absolutely. And 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 you've got a good uh, network of customers there, which has presumably grown up over the over the years who who support you. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, there's been people there from day one, which we still have, um, and it's it's ever increasing. You know, some people might disappear for a, a little bit in time and then, then come back again. But yeah, we have a really, really good network of regular customers and that's ever grown. OK, well, excellent. We'll come back to you on some sort of general issues in, in a minute then, uh, Tom. And the next guest, as I said, is Steve Dudley-Brown. Now, Steve's been in greenkeeping since he was 16 and worked across uh, the UK and the world. And today he's working for the British International and Golf Greenkeepers Association, bigger, as I said, and is currently leading a campaign aimed at training 100 mental health first aiders to provide them with skills that to support golf greenkeepers and other staff through any difficulties they may be experiencing. So tell me more about your campaign then, Steve. Um, how, how long has it been going and, and, and how is it developing? We officially launched it last year, um, in December last year. Um, we're just getting the ball, ball rolling. The first actual event that we're holding will be next Monday at Edgebaston Golf Club where we are going to train 12, not just greenkeepers. We we sat down and discussed how can we benefit greenkeepers more? And we, we, we thought if we just do course managers, greenkeepers in one business, we're not going to be able to get the network of people that we want to cover and look after. So we are doing greenkeepers, but we're also doing some of our trade supporters the reps are on the road a lot more. They see more golf courses in one day than than one course manager or one greenkeeper can. 
So we've uh, incorporated the trade as well as the greenkeepers into this programme. And how's that been received? Um, do you find that there are some uh, people very interested from the ancillary trades in in helping you? Yeah, I've had some very good conversations with people that have either been greenkeepers in the past and gone into the trades, so they have a bit more understanding of what about what the greenkeepers are going through and the pressures they're under on a daily basis. Um, and yeah, it's it's just phenomenal seeing how the trade and greenkeepers all understand that they need to learn more about a subject that we don't really know a lot about. Uh, um, you're, you're calling them first aiders. Is, is that is that deliberate? Um, and Alex was saying that I think your, yours are called ambassadors, aren't they, Alex? Well, um, in, some of our volunteers are mental health first aid trained. Um, but um, yeah, ambassadors have a slightly different role. They're more awareness raisers. I oh, say. okay. Yeah. So, so sorry, um, Steve. Yeah, uh, first aiders is an interesting um, description. And was that chosen deliberately? No, it's the qualification you get from once you uh, maintain the training from uh, Mental Health First Aid England or Mental Health First Aid Scotland. And what what sort of uh, training will they receive i mean you've got you say you've got one course for for 12 people it's a day course is is there follow-up training to that once they've attended and how is the support ongoing support provided it's really interesting that so part of bigger and our team we felt it was valuable valuable for us to do the course itself before we understood a little bit more and put it out to our members so we all did the course last year uh all the front-facing staff and we had no support after that as such but the mental health first aid england have reviewed that um so the course that the guys and girls will be doing this monday and tuesday because it's a two-day course will actually have an ongoing education for three years with the support and help they need they'll have a contact person to talk to they can get onto more webinars throughout those three years as well so it's um, developed into a supporting role at once you've been qualified as well so it's not just you're left to your own devices which is good well i wish you well in the development of that uh, campaign now so really generally i guess that those who work in rural industries are generally reckoned to be a fairly pragmatic lot However, many of those in farming or, or turf care, indeed, are, are tractor drivers or grass cutters or combine drivers. They, they work on the, uh, their own. Um, does uh, social isolation lead to increased instances of, of mental illness? And, and Tom, you're an interesting case here because um, obviously you've had experiences um, in, in mental health, uh, but you're working on your own. So uh, does that worry you? It, it does. I mean, it, it can get kind of lonely I mean being out in the van all day and being on site you might have a talk to a customer quickly and then they'll disappear and do their job and you're left to do your own and obviously run a business on your own so yeah isolation and and loneliness plays a big big part and you know voices in your head kind of talking away and worries building up and stuff like that but it's it's important when you're in that situation to talk about it yeah down the line and when you get home to friends and family yeah yeah. Uh, and, and presumably, I mean, do you do all the um, billing yourself or do you have people to help you? 
for the past couple of years, yes, that's been the case. But now it's getting to the stage that after reviewing the situation, we are getting someone else in to help. We have uh, we've recently employed a, a female apprentice, but she's been a, a very good asset to the company and she's wanting to progress into the admin stuff as well. So she's going to do a bit of both roles with learning other things, uh, learning the tools as well as doing some administration roles. So, yeah, that's probably going to be a big help in the line. Oh, that's, that's great. I, did, I thought you said she. So uh, that Yes, is, that's great. Yeah, that that's she. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, congratulations on making that choice anyway. Uh, Alex, um, obviously a lot of farm workers work on their own. Is social isolation something that you come across? Absolutely. So we um, last year, um, late last year, published some research with the University of Exeter's Centre for Rural Policy Research that was specifically looking into isolation, loneliness and mental health in farming. And um, amongst the findings of that, probably not terribly surprising, but in the interviews conducted, um, we did find that um, one contributor of those feelings of isolation is, of course, the long working hours and the long loan working um, hours that do take place in farming. Um, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a fair point that's kind of been raised already that um, if you are on your own for long periods of time doing a, a job that can be seen as being somewhat repetitive, I think your mind can wander uh, and can potentially go to some dark places, um, which is why we also very much advocate for that whole um, talk to people. And if you can talk to someone whilst you're, you're working, as long as you can do that safely um, or pull up and do it in a safe way. But, you know, you do need to keep the social engagement where you can, because n- none of us want to be alone with our thoughts for too long. Indeed. And uh, uh, Stephen, I mean, a lot of the uh, golf uh, clubs, uh, they do work as a team. So it may not be quite so prevalent in golf, but but some of the courses will only have minimal staff. Is social isolation a a problem in the golf course industry, do you think? Yeah, I think um, some of the jobs you get given in the morning, you could be on your own for a full day and then you could see the other guys all doing a joint job together. So, in fact, if you did have a issue or a tendency to be a bit more, you know, self-conscious of being on your own, if you got that task that you need to go out and vertebrain the fairways all day, but the other guys are all going to cut down some trees and, and look after, you know, setting up the course, then you could feel a bit out of the loop. So, yeah, it's very much um, a, a challenge for course managers to see that and be aware that, okay, we need to make sure we're in a key in a team but also swapping those lonely jobs around so we're not just isolating one person no and and of course there's a whole issue of uh, unsocial hours which uh, really uh, covers the whole of the these industries um now alex was saying that um the network was formed uh, largely as a result of um, issues that arose during foot and mouth and of course we've just had covid are, are the issues surrounding COVID and and uh, everything that, that that happened then are they still pervading uh, the problems that uh, many people are, are finding? Um, Alex, uh, um, COVID. How are people dealing with that? So we we do know that during COVID, um, you could speak to some farmers who say they they weren't necessarily hugely impacted in terms of their day to day work, but we do know that a lot of people were finding that the normal social opportunities that they would have, whether it's going to market, whether it's going to agricultural shows and county shows, obviously they were cut off from those as a result of COVID. And for some people, that can be their only social opportunity within a within a month, let's say. So um, it did make an impact there. 
Interestingly, I went to an agricultural college uh, a couple of weeks ago and I was speaking to some of the lecturers about their students. So these are people who are studying for agricultural degrees. They're sort of 17 or so. And they were talking to me quite a lot about the effects of COVID on the development of young people and how um, because of the the impact on on, um, people of that sort of age group, that there are people who are sort of 17 and 18 acting more like 14 and 15 year olds and getting into the silliest sort of fights over things that we might view as being sort of like teenage issues. So I think it's had a a real impact on people of all age groups. And Tom, um, did you manage to work through COVID? A lot of your customers possibly were were closed down, but uh, they probably still had machinery that wanted uh, repairing. Yes, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we set up in the August of 2020. So obviously, later in the year, when during COVID, before that, I was I was still working on the golf course and that. And it, obviously, I worked right through. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of shutdown cases of people away from it. So you're, you were kind of not seeing anybody for a while. And, you know, if you were seeing someone, it was obviously social distance and keeping away from them. So, yeah, you weren't really getting that social aspect at all. And Steve, what about you? Were you working on a golf course uh, or trying to work on a golf course at that time? Yeah, I was still uh, working on the golf course full time. Um, we had the staff furloughed. So um, bigger set up a few Zoom calls. So every week we could check into a local Zoom call, uh, which is fantastic just to just to chat and just to see some of the faces. On the flip side of that, I think the people that were normally at the golf course in a busy environment and then being at home isolated on themselves, they probably found it harder than the workers did being actually out and free and doing the jobs and tasks that they normally did. Yeah, I think the people going home and and just being isolated in their own homes without work was probably harder than the people actually at work. Do you do you think? Um, I mean, here we are. We are talking about mental health issues and well-being. Has this whole subject become less of a, a stigma in recent years? What, what do you think, Alex? I think in farming, it is fair to say that a lot of progress has been made in probably the last five years, five to ten years, around talking about mental health. Um, I do see a lot more on social media farmers uh, encouraging other farmers to do that, and I think. Um, a lot of the stigma has gone. Um, I think that um, we do need to sort of just ensure that we're not sort of talking about it too much that people start tuning it out. You know, I think there are still some people that when they hear the words mental health, they do think, oh, it's, you know, it's that again. And, and they, they do sort of start to sort of uh, tune it out. But um, I think, you know, we would always say to people that it's it's not rocket science, really. It's just about acknowledging that it's it's healthy and a sign of strength to be able to admit when things aren't going so well and to ask for help and support from your peers. Um, and we know in farming, there's there's a lot of stoicism, a lot of people who struggle with that. And I think there probably is still a little bit of work there to do in terms of getting people to open up and admit that to other people. And Tom, have, have you found it sort of fairly easy uh, or easier in recent um, years and months to discuss it with with family, friends and, and, and colleagues? It's, it's definitely getting easier. Um, I mean, I think it's natural that an individual is going to feel embarrassed and a bit wary about talking about it because you are shown as a you're shown a, a strength and a weakness because you're you're releasing your emotion and you're talking about it and releasing your feelings and that could be about anything whether it's about 
what, what at home, at work, you know, money, whatever. And uh, I think personally, I'm, you know, other people have come up to me now and, and discussed things after doing the uh, podcast with you two years ago. People feel more uh, open to discuss things now. Uh, and Steve, um, obviously our industry is male dominated by and large. Is it more difficult for men to discuss these issues than it is, um, well, women, obviously, uh, otherwise? I, I think it was. I think we have we have break we broke the curve and i think now it's more acceptable to give your mate a cuddle and go do you know what everything will be all right you know do you want to talk about it it's it's not it's not like it used to be when you just got pull your socks up and get on with it it's kind of like, snap out of it type of thing yeah yeah would you like to go for a coffee do you want to go and sit down let's have a conversation and just let them talk about what they're thinking so yeah, yeah definitely changed and generally, can those who uh, believe they are suffering from mental health challenges, can, can they adequately explain to colleagues, friends or family the impact it's, it's having on them and really sort of align to that? Are those who, who've actually experienced mental health issues better equipped to help colleagues who are going through those those challenges? I suppose, uh, Steve, um, th- that may well apply to you. Do you find it easier to talk to people having had your own issues? Yes. I, I've been very aware of it because I've worked with people in the past that have had issues and I've noticed their triggers and when they are sort of not feeling themselves so I've learned to find my own triggers and then I've found my way how to not get myself into that little loop where I'm getting depressed or sad or feeling everything's getting on top of me. Uh, and I do something that I find realigns me. So I, I get back to being happy-go-lucky Steve again um, rather than moping and letting myself go down. Alex, does it? Is it better, do you think, to um, instead of trying to share these issues with your family who may well be uh, fairly close to you, uh, to try and engage with um, uh, somebody from your organisation or, or similar, a professional? It, does it make it easier to discuss those issues? Oh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say it's better, but I do think it, I would say that some people find it easier to open up to a relative stranger than they do to the people closest to them. Um, it could be that uh, someone, the, the issue someone's um, experiencing could be being exacerbated by their family members, for example. So it could be very difficult for them to have that conversation. We do quite a lot of work in FCN around family mediation. So we do quite a lot of work where there are family disagreements and disputes and things have gotten quite tense between family members. And we've been brought in almost as a third party mediator to sit with the family members, make sure everyone's voice is heard. Um, but I do think there is um, strength in talking to anyone, whether it is a friend, whether it's a family member, whether it's a charity like FCN or other charities. Um, the important thing is that you get it out of your head and out into the open, because if it's rattling around in, in, in your head and you're not sharing it, that doesn't usually manifest in anything good. And, and Tom, when when you were going through your, your difficulties, uh, who was it easiest to talk to? Um, as it's just been said, a, a stranger, actually. Um, my my feelings were talking to a family member or a friend De- depending on the individual they could either come across as maybe not so open but maybe a bit too sensitive about it so talking to a stranger did help 
I think going forward after that, it became easier once you uh, found techniques and ways of talking to, to to start talking to family members and colleagues and, and that as well. Um, but definitely talking to your doctor or a, a psychologist in my in my instance, that, that probably helped the most. Alex, you mentioned about a, a campaign this week surrounding farm safety. Do, do, do the issues of farm safety create stress for the people involved in it? Because I'm, I'm seeing one or two uh, features on the television this week, which suggests that uh, there are a number of people who do find it extremely stressful, particularly with modern machinery, big machinery and so on. I think it works both ways. I mean, I think um, being able to to farm and, and what's involved in farming is inherently stressful. There's a lot of uncertainty in all aspects of farming. There's a lot of um, inspections and assurances and all sorts of things that do put that stress on farmers. Um, but I would also say that, um, that, that in relation to farm safety, stress is very dangerous when associated with farms because if you are very very stressed you're more likely to make mistakes you're more likely to be forgetful you're more likely to forget to turn you know the engine off or whatever it might be do and when you're working with heavy machinery or potentially dangerous livestock that can you put you more at risk so there are very very close links between stress and mental health and farm safety issues that do definitely need to be addressed tom interestingly Sometimes it's very difficult for people to recognise that they this is an issue in their life. How easy it was for you to identify uh, that, that mental issues were contributing to your state of mind at the time? Um, I think it was easy to recognise. I think the hardest thing was admitting it. And that's purely down to you just brush it under the carpet and say, no, I'm fine, I can plod on the way I am. I, I don't need to worry about that now until it eventually just unleashes in one big go, like it was in my case. So it is important for someone to just be able to talk and just admit, say, I am struggling. And, and Steve, what about you? How how easy, um, if you were having issues, how easy was it to uh, recognise those those issues and uh, uh, perhaps uh, you didn't quite realise what was going on? So I'll, I'll give you a little scenario. When I was a course manager and I was feeling a bit a bit too stressed and a bit like everything was getting on top of me, say the general manager was was asking me to do stuff that we couldn't do because it was out of our hands with the weather or you know scenarios like that, I would deputize my work to my deputy and I'll go, right, guys, I'm having a day on the fairway mower. I'm just... I'm turning off from it. I'm having a day on the fairway mower. Let you guys run the course, and uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll be tuning in again tomorrow to to pick up you know where I left off. But I'm having a bit of a rubbish time. I'm going to just sit on the fairway mower and do my thing for today. So, so some of the remedies are in your own hands in a way. Yeah, I'm a big advocate advocate of. Uh, heat stress and saunas and people will be laughing if they're listening to this because whenever I travel around the country I always make sure there's a sauna close by I I love a sauna I just think the 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 benefits of having a sauna and stressing yourself in that way helps to mentally prepare yourself for the rest of the day Lastly, and can I thank you all for participating in this? This is really interesting. And obviously, we can only scratch the surface of this whole um, issue. Um, and finally, uh, are there any sort of do's or, or particularly don'ts uh, for those helping others experiencing mental health issues? Uh, Alex, are there are some do's and don'ts? 
it's a it's a hard question when you put on the spot. I mean, what I would say um, broadly is um, being able to actually listen is a skill in of itself. So people being able to make sure that they're actually listening properly, and that could involve um, actually going into a quiet environment with that individual not checking your phone you know the amount of times that someone says oh I'm, I'm here i'm listening to you and then they're actually checking their phone checking the work email they're clearly distracted doing something else you know so it's it's about getting into an environment where people feel like they can actually properly open up to you and talk and, and that they will be listened to um i also think it's important to recognize that we can all only take on so much um on our own shoulders so as much as we need to support the people around us as much as we need to support ourselves um, if we're finding that it's becoming a real emotional burden on ourselves, that we're carrying someone else's weight, I, you know, we do need to bring in when appropriate that that sort of professional support as well from medical professionals, mental health professionals who can support people. Um, we are all only human and we can only all take on so much. And we don't want to become someone's personal therapist when chances are there is someone out there who's more qualified to do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and Tom? Were the things being said to you that you 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 thought, oh gosh, I wish they wouldn't say that. That's not really helping me at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the usual kind of things um, people used to say was like keep your chin up or um, that that sort of thing. There was no, nothing worse than uh, hearing that because you kind of say to yourself, I've already thought of that. So, so yeah, kind of saying things like that, or you maybe be talking to them, like Alex said, they'll be on their phone or distracted by something else. It's it's important to maybe just, if you see someone struggling, maybe you like, if you fancy going for a walk or maybe go for a, even a drive or something and just have a, a an ability just to sit there and be able to talk or something like that, just, uh, just out with the, the stresses of, of life. And Steve, are there... Other do's, or, or as I said, particularly don'ts that you would be um, advising your first aiders to uh, uh, say or not say? I think one of the things that's been alluded already is be present. If someone's talking to you, be present. Um, there's, there's so many distractions in life these days that if you're present in the conversation, let them say what they need to say and then help signpost them to where they need to go and get help. We, we do various courses at BTME every year in Harrogate just to make people more aware of this situation. You want to be someone to support, but you don't want to be telling them what to do. Well, look, thank you all very much indeed. I've, I've really, in, 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 I'm not sure whether it's worth and enjoyed, but it's been very informative and thank you for your personal experiences. and. Uh, can I thank you all very much for, for taking part in this today? It's, it's very good of you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. Lovely talking to you all. You as well. Thanks, everyone. Take care of yourselves. So those were the very honest and thought-provoking views from Alex Fillimore from the Farming Community Network, Tom Johnston of Johnston Turf Machinery, who it was great to catch up with two years after I recorded an Inside AgriTurf episode with him, and he detailed his initial struggles with mental health. And finally, with Steve Dudley-Brown of the British and International Golf Greenkeepers Association, Bigger, who is leading a campaign to train 100 mental health first aiders. Now, on the show notes, you will find links to all the relevant organisations referenced in this episode, and a link to that original conversation with Tom Johnson, recorded in May 2021. So thank you for joining me. I'm Chris Biddle and this is Inside AgriTurf.